Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into Jira tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and sometimes good people do bad things. An example of both is former NBA All-Star and New Jersey Net, Jason Williams. Why did these bad things happen? You'll hear it from Jason himself. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, as I said, folks, sometimes bad things happen to good people, and sometimes good people do bad things. Now, in the words of Jason Williams himself, I quote, I've done everything a man is supposed to do and not supposed to do in life. Uh, Jason has had his ups and downs, but he, he he's back up. And I'm going to preface this before I introduce him. I have been in this business For 36 years, I will tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I mean this in all sincerity, I've met a lot of great people, a lot of great athletes, people in general. Uh, No doubt in my mind whatsoever that I have never seen an athlete deal with fans and people and treat them with kindness and do as many charitable things without attention not because the cameras are running, than Jason Williams. And that's why um, some of the things that I've recently found out hurt me so much because I felt guilty because all these good things that he was doing for people, I didn't realize he was suffering inside. Uh, having said that, now let me introduce the man that I'm talking about, Mr. Jason Williams. What's up, Jay? How we doing? Hey, Russ. How you doing? How's the family? I'm doing good. Uh, Most importantly, how are you doing, my friend? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Russ. I'm down here in Jupiter. We just got out of uh, doing outdoor adventure therapy today, which was disc golf early this morning. We had the whole center get out down here at uh, Futures Recovery Healthcare. Went to a little course, and we played uh, disc golf. It's like you play golf, but with a Frisbee, and uh, we get in about 3,000 steps, which is maybe about a mile and a half. And uh, two miles of exercise, we sneak it in on everybody. Well, let me, you know, for for the people who might not be aware, uh, Jason is involved with this rebound. It's rebound at Futures, is is it down in in, in Boca? And uh, Jason is paying it forward. He's giving back to what he has suffered through. I want to get into what the program is all about in a little bit, Jason. But what what really struck me, Jay... I recently watched on A&E Addiction Unplugged, and it was your story. And it was a terrific story. It is a terrific story. Uh, I I don't even the word is terrific. I'll I'll say compelling because you you don't like to see anybody suffer. But, uh, you know, the only thing that was wrong with it, uh, there was so much to say (laughs) in not enough time. But... As I was watching it, and I watched it with my wife, I actually, and I'm not saying this to be schmaltzy, I actually got a little choked up because I'm watching it, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking back to all those days, and man, all you ever did was make people laugh and and be happy and, and, and do good things, and I never realized how much you were suffering inside. Yeah, Russ, well, thank you. Um... You know, I heard the things that you said in the open. I appreciate it. You know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't. Well, I'm not even a day, Russ. There's, there's not an hour that goes by in my life that I don't think about Mr. Christoffi and think about me being reckless that day and the accident that happened and the way I reacted to it. Um, let me let, that- let me just interject for a second because not right. maybe not everybody knows. Uh, you know, kind of long story short, folks. Two years after Jason retired, he was at his estate in New Jersey, uh, accidentally shot a limo driver, killed him. Uh, Jason tried to uh, cover it up, suffered the consequences, went to prison. Here we are today. Continue, Jay. Yes. So there's not a hour that goes by. You know, it's like a ripple effect. You know, it's when you on a placid, a still lake, and you throw a little bobber in, which I love to do, and you watch how that little bobber can change the whole contour of a whole lake. That's what I did to Mr. Kostafi. He was getting his life together. He did about, I don't know, 20 years in prison and got out and didn't have any family. He just had a sister that was estranged from him. Um, and, you know, never met him before in my life and had him come uh, with the restaurant, called him where... We went with a bunch of Harlem Globetrotters and some friends, and, uh, you know, he drove us home. He drove them home. I drove home and uh, didn't even know Mr. Kostafi was in the house. I was over there showing off my shotguns to all the people that were locked in my bedroom because I had a skeet machine on the property. And one of my friends uh, who was shooting skeet that day did not remove one of the bullets out of the gun and when we were showing them uh when i was showing them i i did not see mr Kostafi. i went to close the gun and the gun went off uh hitting mr Kostafi and instantly killing him we did call 911 but i did ran and jumped in the pools what they told me i was in shock um 
So I'll just, I, I take full responsibility for that, Russ. I, I apologize. I apologize for, to his family. I apologize to my family. I apologize to my friends and fans. And I apologize. I'm just sorry. You, you, you know, Jay, uh, watching, again, watching the uh, addiction unplugged. And, folks, if you get a chance to watch it, I, I highly suggest it because uh, it, it, it's very compelling. And And I'm not... Listen, you paid your price. What you did was horrible. But, you know, reading comments from you, like you you, you yourself just said, you suffer about it every hour. And uh, I'm not an expert on rehab, but unfortunately, I mean, they're good people. But unfortunately, I have friends who have suffered just like you. And the one thing that I always hear, Jay, is before you can really, really get better, you got to be able to forgive yourself. Are you able to do that? Not yet, to be honest and be transparent. Um, is why I stay at, you know, Futures Recovery Healthcare every day. You know, I come in and, you know, I have my own program here. It's called Rebound at Futures Recovery Healthcare. Um, we teach through outdoor adventure therapy. So I'm jumping out of airplanes, snorkeling, scuba, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding disc golf, you name it, we do it. We do 19 different activities that you have never done. Uh, most people have never done in their life, and that's to build self-esteem, break down barriers, overcome anxiety. But what I get a chance to do is we have a great clinical staff here. We're great, great, great psychiatrists and uh, psychologists and therapists that help people suffer from mental illness. And that's everything from drugs and alcohol abuse, uh, just a regular mental illness, bipolar, uh, we help from drug addiction. Uh, we help from gambling and overeating, all the things that uh, you go through mentally. And I get a chance to sit in on that. Um, that's the perk. You know, I get a chance to pick up a new, we don't call them clients here, we call them teammates, to pick up somebody, two or three people a day from the airport, mm-hmm. bring them to my facility, um, uh, and, and help them help me help others. And, uh, you know, I look at some of these young kids are hooked on opioids 18 all the way up until 85 years old we have people here and um i look at my life and go wow you know i have an interesting life and i'm a warning or an example to some people and most people i'm both and uh i stay around people right now and i stay busy and i stay trying to work on forgiving myself um i have some great people in my life such as charles oakley you know, Charles Barkley, but my main guy is Curtis Martin, you know, Hall of Fame running back from right up there in New York from the Jets and the Patriots. Yes, sir. He teaches class. Yes, he teaches a Bible study here for me for almost 19, going on 20 years every Wednesday, and it's the best conversation. All the stethoscopes and white coats that we have here and therapists and jumping out of planes and all that, um, if you don't have a higher power and if you don't have a God and a Curtis Martin in your life, to help you stay humbled and grounded and help you work on forgiving yourself, I have nothing. So right now, today, the way I'm feeling, I, today I need to work on myself. Uh, maybe two weeks ago, I thought I was crystal, Russ. I thought I was really, really getting in and making progress and making progress because some days I wake up, I want to save the world. I have that kind of energy. And then some days I wake up, I just want to save the community. But like today I wake up, I just have to save myself. Mm-hmm. And that's being just totally honest, you know. Um, but what I get a chance to do every morning is get to the gym, uh, 
and some days I'm really down, so I have to get myself to a 10. And some days I'm at a 12, i got to get down to a 10. Because I only have 30 days to help somebody save their life through the grace of God. And I have to be the same person every day. So when I go through that gate of our beautiful 10-acre estate here, you know, I have to be at a 10. I can't come in. And uh, I'll tell you like my daddy used to tell me, Rush. You know my dad. Oh, God bless him. Let him rest in peace. Thank you. Thank you. A southern guy. Uh, and he used to come down, you know, you dribble the basketball with two hands, you know, you know, like, like, and uh, he would say, hey, Jason, he's a, you know, boy, he says, uh, you, you got to play at 110% for Shaq to be at 80%. He's because you just ain't that good. You know what potential mean? He says, everybody tell you, Jason got potential. Jason got potential. Potential mean you haven't did diddly squat yet, boy. You know, you got to play hard. So uh, that's what I do here. I come in every single day, and uh, I just work as hard as I can trying to help others help me to pass it on. You know, our service to others is the rent we pay here on earth. And that, and that's the, and, and that is the, the cold stone truth, Russ. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I learned, you know, I understood myself only after I destroyed myself, Russ. Well, you, you know what? Uh, that's an interesting thing for you to well, say. You and, know, and, and, who I really am now. I, I, I'm not trying to be a shrink, but yes, uh, I, listen, I, I can't get inside your head, but I, I also know the kindness that you were doing, you know, for people. Uh, like, for example, I remember, you know, when I was doing a radio at WFAN, you know, I got letters from people. I, I got letters at Channel 9. You know, Jason did this. Is the one teenage girl you met her at a um, what the hell was it? A, a, a Make a Wish uh, f- foundation yeah, function. Yeah, her name is Teresa. There you go. Teresa. A- 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 and you met her. Okay, that's fine. And you were doing the, the thing for Make a Wish, but then you invited to her to your house with like fifty, a hundred people. You take them to games. You, you throw them parties just because you were a good guy. So, you know, it wasn't like tragedy had to happen before you, you know, let, as they say, paying it forward. And, I, and I'm not just giving you a pat on the back. What you did was horrible. But you were doing good things before the horrible stuff happened, my friend. Thank you, Russ. Thank you. Yeah, and, you know, I remember meeting Teresa, and uh, everybody was up in arms because they said she has less than a month to live. And uh, she ended up living about another year. I took her down to the Chris Rock show. She stayed with me, man. We, I bought a four-wheeler, and she'd come to my house and ride it every day. And her family, she's riding horses. And, man, she fought this thing for about uh, literally maybe a year and a half for us. And uh, just you, you never know. Uh, you know, one of the things I remember is how much I love the New Jersey Nets and how much I love the Meadowlands is that when we went on strike – uh, and we were locked out uh, at the NBA. You know, I, me, my dad being a union brick mason and being in construction and me having my CDL Class A driver's license and driving tractor trailer and bulldozers and laying brick and doing all these things and running the gas station and car wash for my dad, I really knew what blue-collar people were. So when they went on lockout, when we did as NBA and locked out and, and a strike, um, is that I remember – one of the proudest moments is that when we paid the salary of the people who parked the cars, the vendors, uh, and, and, and the people who put the ice down on the floor and the wood and all that stuff all at the Meadowlands. And I said, well, look, you know, 
these people have nothing to do with a bunch of millionaires who are spoiled fighting for more millions, and now they are on dark. They're in the dark, you know, on nights that they need to feed, feed their children and pay their mortgage. So we paid them workers. And, uh, and then the Nets and Michael Rowe came right back on top of that and doubled it up. And, I, you know, and then you kind of forget about that. What? And then probably about eight years ago, I went to a, a, a jet game in – I'm just walking in like a normal person, an average person, you know, not a guy who played in the Meadowlands. And all of a sudden, the people who take the tickets said, oh, man, Jason Williams is here. You know, and I haven't been out in public a lot at this time. Mm. And they go, oh, man. And they gave me, took my little cheap seats, and they put me in the front, and they bought me out, got me pizza, and popcorn, and cotton candy. And they took me out here, and they let me get to the special bathroom and all this. And they said, what you did for me, man, we'll never forget it. Well, and that was like a really feel-good moment for me. Well, and, and well, it should be because, and listen, you're not taking all the credit, but you were the catalyst. I, you beat me to it. You were the catalyst uh, to make sure everybody, you guys, paid for those people, which was a, a remarkable thing. But, you know what, see, Jay, I thought maybe your trouble drinking started uh, and I was wrong, but you know, after watching uh, Addiction Unplugged, but I, I thought maybe it started after uh, you had to retire, because you retired in the worst possible way. You know, they say an athlete dies twice. He dies when he has to give it up, uh, and he dies the natural death. But the worst of it for an athlete is is when it's taken away. And yours was taken away because of that gruesome, you know, broken leg that you suffered with crashing with, with Stefan Marbury. And I find a lot of athletes, they're lost after they, the playing days are over. And, you know, they live this life in the spotlight and glamour and all that. And I was wondering if that at the time was the case for you. But your drinking problems go way back before that. Yeah. Um, I had a, unfortunately, like a whole lot of people, uh, put trust in somebody, um, my daddy's brother, and uh, he took advantage of me when I was very young. And when I say took advantage of me, I meant very gruesome. Uh, it wasn't just touching and, and, and rubbing. It was It was something that affected me and I could never tell my dad. My dad is African American. My mom is Italian and Polish. We moved to the deep south. They thought to escape racism in the seventies. Roots came out. Alex Haley tension was much thicker than it is right now. Uh and getting on that school bus every day being what they called high yellow with blonde hair, um, with a white mother and a black father in the rural, simple South and uh getting beat up by even family members at that time. That was the worst 16 minutes of getting there. That bus couldn't get there mm. quick enough. Um, I had no friends. I just got raped. I couldn't mm. tell my dad because he would have definitely did something to his own brother. I was smart enough to know that. So something I hid with is something that bothered me for the rest of my life. Um, still bothers me to this day. I'm working on that also here at Futures Recovery Healthcare. Um, and then the other thing is, Russ, you know, um, my dad never knew I even drank, uh, you know, until I was 21. I got drafted. I bought him a house and a car, and we went down to the White Horse Tavern, and I started ordering orange juice and, and, and uh, uh, absolute vodka, and he watched my demeanor change, and he said, Jason, 
He go, why are you acting like this? He go, that ain't alcohol. Is I go, yeah, Dad. You know, I got drafted. Uh, I'm doing well now. I just bought you a house and a car. I said, you heard me say absolute orange juice. He says, I don't know what that means. He said, I thought you were just telling me people you just want absolute orange juice. You just want orange juice. And I was like, no, nah, Dad, I'm drinking. And he gave me back the keys to the house and the big keys to his car. And it's the first time I've ever been away with my, from my dad in three weeks. He didn't talk to me at all. And he said, son, we're allergic to that in our family. And uh, so I don't know if you know this story, Russ, that even when I played with the Nets, and I lived in Hackensack. My dad used to go, he went to the Salvation Army, bought a $35 cot, and he would put it in front of my double doors and sleep on that cot every night for while I played with the New Jersey Nets so I couldn't go out. i tell you a story. You know, we were trying to always beat the Knicks and be better than the Knicks and, uh, and have more fanfare. So, you know, I remember we had Bon Jovi, who I love, all the great guys, Bruce Springsteen, all these guys that come down to, uh, to and support us while we were, had a good team. And then one day Bruce Willis came. And, you know, my dad's a construction guy. You know this, Russ. That right. I went to, I worked with my dad from four to eight every day, you know, in the morning, feeding the animals and then driving the tractor trailer, dropping off these six bulldozers or building corners and brick mason or doing whatever. And then I'll go to shoot around. Then I'll go back and work construction. Then I'll go back and play Michael Jordan at night. You know, these are things that my dad had to keep me busy because he knew what kind of person I was. And I remember Bruce Willis waiting after the game. And I go, wow, Bruce Willis. And I go, hey, Dad. And, you know, and I told my brother, I said, look, we're going out with Bruce tonight. Don't worry about this. You know, and I said, hey, Dad. You know, this is Bruce Willis. And my dad said, how are you doing today? My dad didn't care. He just wanted me to sign all the autographs uh, for everybody. And then we were going home. He's putting that cot in front of the door. And, we going to, and we're going to sleep. Well, and we got work the next day. But let me tell you something. So Bruce Willis, right? And I go, Dad, you know Bruce, right? And he goes, Bruce Willis. Died hard. Oh, man, he said, I got to see you. He said, you know, I just came through there the other day. And uh, I bought six batteries from you and them people and these batteries ain't holding no water I got to go back and I got to come back and see you get my mother I said dad what are you talking about Bruce Willis looking at it. I go dad this Bruce Willis from the movies he said oh hell I thought you meant this is Bruce Willis from Die Hard Batteries I thought he sell batteries he said oh well nice meeting you Jay bring your ass on we gotta go home true story you, you know, like I can see your dad just right in front of me, and, and I know how much, I know how much he loved you, and 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 how much you loved him. But what I didn't realize from this watching, you know, again, this addiction unplugged, is that the responsibility that was put on your shoulders at a young age with um, your sisters, you know, not one, but two of them contracting AIDS and you were a babysitter, you know, at, at 12, 13, you know, that, that's a lot to put on a kid. Yeah. Came home and my sister Linda, uh, was stabbed 17 times and she was a model. She was beautiful. And, uh, a guy named Sergio just broke in for $2 and beat over the face with a hammer. And, uh, we had to take all the mirrors out of our house because her face was deformed and this was the early 80s and from morphine she got addicted she was one of the first if not the first woman in new york city to catch the aids virus um and people treated her 
with hazmat suits on. We had to take the back elevators at Bellevue Hospital. I remember my mom feeding her through a hazmat. I never did that. I ate after my sister. I stayed with my sister. Uh, she was 135 pounds. She died at uh, 41 pounds. Mm. And for, you know, my other sister started comforting her, started doing drugs with her, and they both died of the AIDS virus. And not only that that happened, my third sister married an alcoholic. He came home, had a bad day, and made it worse. He shot my sister in the face and killed her, and then killed himself. Uh, so, you know, but when I was at St. You know, John's, I just signed with them, and I had to take care of an 11-year-old and a, and a 7-year-old. So I had to wake up in Queens and take my my, my son to St. Anthony's School in, in the Little Italy from Queens, from Jamaica, come back, wake up a, a 11-year-old daughter and get her up and get her to school. Then I had to go to school, Russ. And then after that, I had to go pick them up and then and then pick up my daughter and then bring them to practice. And uh, they were the ball boy and ball girls at a very early age. And then after practice, I had to help them with their homework, do my homework, feed them. I had to eat. I had to bathe them and do all this. And my only accolade that I would take is that in four years of me going to St. John's University, I got what the only thing my father said I owed him was my degree. I got my degree in four years. I got drafted in the first round, but better yet, this is the only accolade I would take. My kids only miss five days of school. Hmm. God bless. You you, know? But, but you, you know what, Jason? Um, you talk about all this, and, and it's it, it's pretty tough, uh, you know, to listen to that that anybody would go through. But w- what people may not realize, you still you went on and on to take responsibility for your sister's kids because you adopted them. You, you, you know, yes, a, 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 a young yeah. man, you legally adopted them because you said. I remember you saying it to me when I asked you about it way back when. You said, "Well, Russ, what the hell? Somebody's got to do it." That's exactly right. You know, my dad had three businesses and my mom worked two jobs, you know, with double shifts. Um, and people always say, how did you do that? And I really didn't have a choice. You know, I wasn't going to let them go into uh, BCF, Department of Children and Welfare uh, Services. You know, it was the only thing you can do. Um, and you step up to the plate, uh, you know, and, um, you know, now I have uh you know, you know, great, you know, grandkids, you know, I have, you know, I have a grandchild who's 22 years old, uh, you know, so, you know, and it was interesting playing in, uh, you know, my first few years with the Nets and having a grandchild. Well, well uh, let, let, let me, let me explain to the public who's listening. We're talking to a guy who's got a grandchild 22 years old who's 52. So, I, I mean, right. Jason, Jason took on a lot of responsibility at a very young age. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, and so, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a kid raising a kid, um, you know, and my dad was just, just the overseer, and I just I just don't like to see stress on anyone. Um, you know, uh, my grandmother used to tell me all the time, boy, go back out that room and come back in with a smile because your smile lights up the room. So I don't like to see people suffering. I don't, uh, you know, I, I, my, my fiancé at the time, Cynthia Bailey from Atlanta Housewives, she was not. She's a beautiful person, but a terrible artist. She once drew me a picture of uh, of, of tears of a clown, and 
And she says, you know, you always want to make everybody feel better. And he says, but you're hurting in the inside. So that's what I'm doing down here at Futures, you know, at Rebound. That's what I'm doing here, Russ. I, you know, I get a chance to, to help people with their problems and, 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 um, and just a, a hug, a touch, a, a thank you, a gratitude when a mother calls and tells me, hey, you saved my son's life, and that kid comes back down for our alumni, or I bring him to a St. John's game, or I come out there to visit him. It's the best feeling in the world. You know, my dream is to, you know, I would love to be back on radio and, and, and do what you're doing, and that is all great. Uh, I would love to be a coach at St. John's University. Mm. You know, Bill Shanichek, who, who supported me to come down here and start rebound, is head of the board at St. John's, and uh, I love it. Chris Mullen just left, but, you know, those are things. But it's hard for me to teach a kid a jump hook right now when I have people right now teaching me how to save my own life. You know, every day I come in is a different day, it's different people, and I have to be on my game. And just passion, I finally found where, like if it was an avenue, if you're going north to south, it's like my abilities, right? And then if you're going east to west, west you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's what the needs of the world are and what the world needs is going in another direction. And right where it met, meets, that's where my purpose is. So I finally found my purpose here. And it's not easy. You know, Russ, today is not an easy day for me, um, but I pulled it together, right? I got up this morning, and uh, however I had to do it, I got it together. And I have to keep it together because these people keep me accountable, and I've met some of the best people in my life, and they hurting just like me. And, you know, uh, there, there, there's an old saying, Russ, and, and I'll be quick with this. Uh, is that, you know, one day a guy fell in a hole and a priest walks by and he says, Father, can you help me? He says, say seven Hail Marys. And, uh, and then a doctor walks by and he goes, hey, doc, can you help me? And the doctor sends down a prescription and the guy's still in the hole. Then his best friend walks by and he says, hey, best friend, can you help me? And the best friend jumps down in the hole and he goes, no, why did you do that? We're both stuck. And the best friend goes, hey, I know a way out of here. You know, so you get where I'm going with that yeah, analogy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So people help me get out of the rut at all times. Well, l l let me ask you a question. You, you know, I, I almost feel a little guilty here, uh, you know, because you're saying, like, today is not such the best day. Does does knowing that you're going to talk about this upset you? D does, it, does it trigger things that, you know, you'd like to forget about? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I get anxiety when I have to do these interviews. Uh, to be honest, you know, I love being on the radio, uh, but and I and I love, you know, being in front of people. I love making people feel good. I don't think I do that in this interview. But and what I explained to my children, who are pretty much estranged, right? I can help all so many other people get better. But with my family right now, my two daughters, uh, who are teenagers right now. Um, especially my oldest one, doesn't understand why I do these. And, and, and why I do these interviews is because we have to release the stigma of addiction, Russ. You have to. You know, if you have cancer, you get chemo. If you have a drug addiction, any kind of addiction, you go get treatment. And I have to make people aware and educate them about that. You know, and uh, they don't like rehashing it. They go, Dad, I got to go to school. I don't want to hear this or whatever. You know, but it's something that, you know, through the grace of God, I just keep fighting through, Russ. So, you know, having to go back to something that happened 19 years ago every single day in front of the public, uh, you know, my close friends say, Jay, 
why do you keep doing that, man? Don't talk about it no more. It's enough. Wait, we had enough of it. We had a screening last week for Addiction on Plug on 42nd Street. It was great. And almost 400. Yeah. yeah, 400 people showed up. You know, and I'm like, wow, look at the support. So many NBA and, and entertainers and athletes. But better yet, people I grew up with just saying, man, we're so proud of you. You know, move on, move on. And Russ, I'm trying. I'm trying to move on. It's just not as quick as people think it can. When you make such a, a big mistake like you did and you accidentally take something that a man is ever going to have and what he has now, it's something that you have to work on. It's a slow process. It's not just about beating an addiction. It's something that I have to beat into myself every day. And I just want to make sure I'm putting a brick on every day to get better. Well, let me ask you this, my friend. Um because you've always been a guy, and I know you're going to agree with me on this. I, I remember you would talk, you'd talk, we'd be in the locker room, and you'd be talking about this one or that one. You know, like, man up. You know, stop making excuses. Go ahead and take care of your business. Um, so it brings me to addiction. Some people, you know, you know to me, when I hear, like, a, an entertainer or an athlete gets caught, uh using drugs or something and you know okay well i'm gonna go into a, a rehab center uh because it looks good it's pr you know and i can see an agent saying to somebody yeah well this is what you do and then, then everybody makes nice and then the pr and then you're in good standing um yeah, and you're a pretty straight down the road guy do you find that some people are looking you know getting into a program for the right reasons and then there are some looking to get into for the wrong reasons. Because from what I've been told from people who are drug addicts, until you bottom out and admit to yourself that you got a problem, then you're just fooling yourself if you're doing it for the wrong reason. I agree with you. Um, but any way I can get somebody into treatment, I have an intervention yesterday. I work seven days a week, um, and it was successful. I have one with an NFL player today at 11 o'clock. And... Um, he doesn't want to hear anything. Uh, he doesn't want to know why he has to go to treatment. What? But I, I, I'm explaining to him today, look, you know, I built my rock bottom. My rock bottom is my foundation, and I'm building off a sturdy foundation. And, look, I have to convince him because once I get him in there, through the grace of God, we can get him better. But I have to tell him things like, look, you know, look what your team and your family, which is all true, and what the America is going to think about you now uh, admitting that you a warrior. Like all us warriors who are entertainers and athletes who have to go out and put our behind in Macy's windows for the world to see every day and take that risk and be so, uh, uh, you know, be, you know, be out there, you know. And uh, so I have to tell him, hey, you know, and that's my pitch to him today. Go in there. Do it. If you're not doing it for yourself right now, go in there and uh, do it for your, your image, your persona. You know, and a lot of people do come in here. Look, I'll be quite honest. I didn't know. I know African-Americans, uh, uh, we really are uneducated and unaware about treatment. I didn't know about it until they told me, Jay, if you don't go get treatment, you're going to jail. And that's what got me to go here because I don't want to go back to jail for the simple reason is that I don't want to embarrass my family. And I came down here, and I'm still here for four years, and I'm still working on myself because, okay, I don't have cravings for drugs and alcohol, but I still have to work on the core. 
you know, I have to keep working on that. You know, I just can't put a Band-Aid over it. I'm working on some deep issues, and that's what we do here. we got to build self-esteem here, Future. So that's my pitch to this young man. And once I get this young man in here and he realizes that, hey, man, it's okay, right? It's okay to, to, to be out there and open yourself up. Right, uh, and, and, and get better. That's how. That's my pitch to him. Once I get him in here, so some people come in for the wrong reasons. But let me tell you something. I have brought some NBA players back. They go, "Hey man, where are we going? We going to a restaurant? No, I'm bringing your ass back to the airport. Hmm. Right, because you haven't hit rock bottom yet, and I can't have you in this community if you don't think you have a problem or you don't want to get better. One thing for me, Russ, you know, I was a captain. For most of my playing days, you know I ran a locker room. You know, we had a no-a-hole policy in the locker room. We only wanted good people. And, uh, and, 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 and I would tell the people, man up, let's do this, but let's have fun. And that's how we do it here. There's no better feeling than when I get a call from, let's say, Julius Irving. Uh, I get a call from some of the biggest stars in the world. And they go, Jay, I haven't spoken to you in a minute, but I'm sending you down my baby. <laughs> get him better. Get her better. Now, that gets me going, right? right? I'm going, wow, man, this is the biggest star in the world, and he's trusting me with somebody. It's like that's my game, and i got to get him better. But, but let me tell you something, Russ. It's not just about while they're here. My work starts hardest, twice as hard. I'm on time and a half when they leave because I speak to every one of our alumni every single day on this video messaging app. So I get to look at them. Like today, word of the day might be decisions. Uh, I was, you know, today. Uh, so when we look at it, right, and everybody has to chime in. So I get the chance to, you know, not just hear them. I get the chance to see if a guy has on sunglasses and it's dark out and it's still morning where, you know, it's raining. I get a chance to see his body language or her body language. I get a chance to say, hey, let me see a picture. Turn the camera around. Let me see your boss. Let me see where you're at. And that's what it is, right? It's that accountability. And that's where I have to be perfect, right? Well, not perfect. I got to be keep making progress, not perfection. So they keep me on my toes here. You know, I loved it when Sam Cassell used to look over at me and go, Jay, I need 20 rebounds from you tonight, big fella. You get me 20 rebounds, we'll win the game. I love it when Larry Bird in the All-Star game said, get me 10 rebounds today because I need to make this 50 grand for the All-Star game. <laughs> I want to win. You know, I love when they put that pressure on me because it makes me go out and, and perform my best. And that's what they do here. You send me your loved one through the grace of God. At rebounding futures, we're gonna get them better. I'll not. I'm not gonna ask you the guy's name. I would never do that. Uh, but you say an NFL player. You know, you at eleven o'clock today. Is that a current player? Yes. Wow. I mean, that's God bless you, Jay. Um, you're doing great things down there. Let me. You know, I'm sure some of the people are wondering. Uh, so I'll ask. Listen, you know, before you got hurt, you had signed an eighty-six million dollar contract. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you okay financially? I mean, have, yeah. you you you, yeah. you you were smart with your money. I hope. Yeah, I was smart, but I do have ex-wives. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, my ex-wives are a lot smarter than I was. I can tell you that. You know, Ray Charles, Ray Charles sung a song back then. Russ said, "It's cheaper to keep her." <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. guess. Well, you, you know what? I just celebrated my 40th anniversary. So yeah, I told my wife. And that's why you. And that's why you're still rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what. I'm rich in. I'm richer today. 
after hearing this conversation and speaking with you. You've always been, listen, we go back now. I'm, I'm thinking how long I know you. I mean, it's 25, 30 years for crying out loud. Uh, but, but Jay, you've always, as I said at the top of the show, you've always made people smile. I hope you reach a point someday where you're always smiling inside. Uh, You're painted forward. You're helping people. Uh, Just for people who are going to listen to this, uh, who might know people if they're not maybe suffering themselves, just is there a number for Rebound where they can call, uh, you know, Rebound at Futures? Go ahead. Give it to us. Yes. It's 855-502-HOPE. It's eight five 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 zero two hope. We're a great facility, but you probably end up speaking to me before you get down here or your loved ones. So it's eight five 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 zero two hope, and it's rebound at Futures Recovery Healthcare. So you can go to futuresrecoveryhealthcare.com. dot com, and we have a beautiful place, man. Uh, I really, really love what I'm doing, Russ. I really, uh, why you're so rich and wealthy, Russ, is because you have your health. And like my dad Amen. said, health is wealth. So, brother, thank you for letting me come on. I appreciate it. I always considered you a very good friend. Um, you were one of the best in the business growing up, just putting you on Channel 9 and listening to you on the radio. has always been a joy. You're so informative. You're educative. Uh, you're funny. And, and you're a straight shooter. So, Thank you for having me on, Russ. Listen, Jay, uh, I'm I'm choked up from just hearing all, all what you said. I mean, I I love you, pal. I, I mean, you know, I knew about the drinking. I knew about the the, the stuff, you, you, you know, with, with your sisters and all that. I didn't know about being violated by um, an uncle, being raped. Uh, God bless you, man. You you, you know what? They say only the strong survive. You made your mistakes, but you're surviving, my friend. Not only are you surviving, you're thriving. And as they say in your business, it's one day at a time. Jason, I can't thank you enough for being here. Continued you know, success, good health, and again, one day at a time, my friend. Thank you, Russ. Love you. Listen, that is Jason Williams. I want to thank Jason. That's a wrap here. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on today's conversation with the terrific Jason Williams. You can contact me on Twitter at Russ Salzberg, uh, on Facebook. You know, you can also check out my website, russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man across the way, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, who takes such good care of the controls here. My OG Podcast Network producer, Tim Einico. Uh, Dave Labrosi, 77 WABC program director, his outstanding assistant, Matt Dahl. And, of course, last but certainly not least, you people out there, because without you people, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Talk to you next week. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miroboard.
Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or mirror board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.